everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share this show with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach. And just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So for that to happen, it takes two things. We have to keep giving you really good content, and you have to help share our show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch, how's business this week, bud? It's good. Yeah, I usually don't ask you about like actual work, but yeah. what was last week like? Okay. Uh, so we're Busy? in slow. We're slow. We're in the middle of the stereotypical slow time for service plumbing industries and probably a lot of in-home service industries anyway. Back to school time. Yeah. House sales are always slow. Yeah. About this time. Yep. So it's amazing. Everyone's like, oh, this is just so slow this time of year. We can't figure it out. The market's down. We can't figure. Kids are back in school. It's yeah. Everyone's got to get back into their routine. This is this is really the new year. The new year is really the beginning of the school year. Yeah. When all the kids go back and everyone starts their cycle over right. for the new year. Right. I mean, it's just what it is. Some businesses change their fiscal year to like September 1 is the first day of the fiscal year. Yeah. Some businesses actually do that. I've honestly, I've never understood how or why they do that because it doesn't line up with like your tax year. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. I prefer to just keep it all no, clean. No, and lots, I've seen guys do it that, that they'll do it April 15th. Right. So the end of the tax season. Mm. But then if you file well, an extension, it's, that's, it's... Tax season is still 1-1-12-31. Not, well, so, but you, they're not due till April 15th. They're not due, right. So, I, I know. I that's, that's just weird. People that's do just weird, weird stuff, dude. I think Quadrup was May. Their fiscal year was yeah, May. Yeah, it was like, like starting over like May 1, I think. Yeah. I wonder if they I mean, do that because of anniversary when their business well, so, started. Yeah, some of it was – so like our fiscal year could, because we opened our doors on August 1st of 2020, our fiscal year could be August 1. But yeah, I just buried that first partial year. And, yeah. And now I – like that was my getting my feet under me time. And then literally from here forward, I look at whole years at a time from that point. I think that's how most people so, do it. Um, Mitch probably thought I was not going to bust his balls about the horrific golf I saw on oh, Saturday. Man. But we're going to talk. We're going to spend at least five minutes talking about so, how bad Mitch is at yeah, golf. Yeah. So Dave and I played in a golf tournament on Saturday. Well, let me um, give your your props first. Mitch sp- spo- helped sponsor a tournament. Yep. He was one of the main sponsors, and he paid for our team to play. Yep. Which was it. Let's be honest. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and if we were if we would have landed in the flights differently, we would have we would have gotten an award. We we shot a fifty eight on a four man scramble. Yeah, which is it's fine. It's, yeah. What was know, the lowest score? Fifty one. Yeah, fifty one. So uh, I played, and I only play golf like two to four times a year, like not very often at all. And when I played in Cancun, uh, what month and a half ago, six weeks yeah, ago, yeah, we talked about it. I played really well. I played double bogey golf. And for me, if I do double bogey golf, like I'm, that's good enough for me to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Uh, if this would not have been a scramble tournament, (laughs) I would have been the designated drunk driver of the golf cart because it it was bad. Yeah. Like the only reason I was having fun was because it was a scramble and I didn't have to play hardly any of my shots. No, we had a great time. (laughs) We had a great time. There was a lot of alcohol put down. How many balls did you lose? Did you uh, lose a dozen? Uh, Joey lost a dozen. I lost over 18. <laughs> yeah. That's, you lost 18? I, I probably set the course record for most balls donated to that rough. And I don't even, like, they can't even find them in that stuff. I don't even know what they do with them. No, I don't so. either. Yeah, Mitch and I didn't ride together. He rode with his buddy. My brother played with us. So I didn't get to see how many weren't found. But, I yeah. mean, it was a lot. There were some hit off the tee and just like, I'm, nope. Yeah, we I'm were we were in separate carts, that. so it wasn't a, it wasn't a matter of checking each other up there. But oh man, it was a lot of fun. Though. It was a lot of fun. We we kind of decided we might have to do one of these podcasts during a round of golf. We might get Austin following us around with the audio stuff, and we'll yeah. do like a walking podcast on a nine hole yeah. course or something. Yeah, we'll play like an like nine holes in an afternoon. You play two holes, you drink two shots. You play two holes, you drink two shots, and we'll just see. <laughs> 
what knowledge can be drummed up from way back inside of your brain. Yeah. Well, if I don't hit it past the ladies' tees, then we're not going to be able to show this on YouTube. Mitch did have to tee <laughs> off one <laughs> hole with his pants down because he did not make it past the ladies' I tees. I didn't on make one it drive. off. I didn't make it off my tee box. I know. Let alone, to, I didn't even make it to the ladies' tees. Yeah. And his friend, quote unquote, is like, nope. Nope. Take your pants off. Yeah. <laughs> imagine imagine doing that down that golf course in Cancun. You had on vacation trying to do something like this. Oh yeah, with that. Oh, with that, with that guy that the Nazi, yeah, the golf that, Nazi, that yeah. golf Nazi guy that was oh, down. That was bad. God. So that's enough um, ball busting. It wasn't that bad. But we it was are. A lot of fun. Dave and I are going to toy with a little bit of a new show format. Typically, we'll bring you guys like a business show and then a Beyond the Void show, two shows a week. Um, we're going to kind of change things up a tad here and see how it works. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks and just see what the feedback is, but we're going to do, we're going to bring it down to one show a week, about an hour long, and we're going to condense it to really, really solid content. So the, the one guarantee with each of these shows um, is you're going to have a business topic. You're going to have, we're going to talk about three topics in each show. You're going to have a business topic. You're going to have a beyond the void topic. And then we're going to have like a flex topic depending on what is going on that week. Maybe we've got a business topic. Maybe we've got another beyond the void type topic. Who knows? So um, society will probably help dictate that one depending on what the business market is doing, but then also the uh, the social market is doing so. All right, what, um, we, what what is our first topic? First topic of the day. So if you're Ask listening to this show and you are working a nine to five, uh, I say nine to five. Let's be honest, a six thirty to four. What you know, whatever most of our blue collar type workers are that are listening to this show. Um, Depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Sometimes yeah. it's a nine to two. Uh, so if you're if you're listening to this show, 10 to right now is kind of the back to school season, and this is like especially in the plumbing world and probably HVAC, depending on where you're at in the country. This is kind of the slow time of the year. Um, a lot of households with kids, their priorities are shifted to getting their kids back in school, getting back into their routines, and all of that stuff. And so your semi discretionary repairs, they're holding off on those, right? If they've got a faucet that's been dripping for a couple of weeks, it's just going to have to keep dripping for two, a couple yeah, more two weeks. Two more weeks don't make a difference. Right. So um, you're still doing emergency type stuff, right? Uh, and there's a lot of businesses out there to, that help try to cover the shoulder seasons. Um, that's what that's what I call the slow time is the shoulder season. Um, there's a lot of businesses out there that will try to do things to kind of cover those a little bit by doing you know, furnace tune-ups or electrical inspections or whole home plumbing inspections or something like that. And yeah. so you see a big shift or a big focus on to those. Um, but undoubtedly, the back-to-school time is kind of the slow time for that kind of stuff. So um, if you're looking at becoming self-employed, it right now could be scaring the crap out of you because here you got all this excitement and all of this energy and all this anticipation to start your own company and then all of a sudden your work got slow. And so now you're thinking, well, heck, I couldn't start my own company working this slow. Like maybe it is good that I work for somebody else. So um, one of the things that I just wanted to bring up and highlight is it does this every year. Every single year it, yeah. it gets slow around back to school time. Every single year. And so as you are... Um, as you're looking at the, the vision of you starting your own company, prepare for the slow season. So know that it's coming. Don't be surprised when it comes and don't let it discourage you. Me personally, I love the slow season because it gives me time to, um, to, to focus on other things. I can focus on new training possibilities or find weaknesses in our business that I can fix or, or find um, new different, you know, new marketing possibilities, or, or whatever the case may be. So, I personally like the planned slow time. And it, you know, it makes if it was an insanely busy summer, it gives you a break, just a nice little oh man, right. I can catch up. Oh, we can put the shop back together. Right. We can make sure all the trucks are stocked. You know, you can easily burn up two weeks 
just doing regular, you know, maintenance stuff that you put off because you were so busy, which right. is hopefully how your summer was. Yeah. You know, but then you have to talk about, you know, this is what we were talking about before the show. You have to make sure you're prepared financially, yep. you know, for that time of year. We talk about personal uh, responsibility on this show all the time. Yep. That's on the business owner to make sure that, you know, all of our rent is covered, all, all of our utilities are covered. If we do have a really slow August or slow September, but that falls on your guys too. Hey, I've been paying you out the nose all year long. Right. You know, guys bitch about it all the time. Oh man, it's slow. I need the hours. I need this. I need that. I need that. And they've been blowing money instead of setting money aside. Right. You know, and if you're doing that now and you're thinking, I'm going to start my own business, that gets back to the personal finance prep, which is, you know, episode one that we do or that we did. Episode two. Was it two? Yep. That, you know, we talk about, hey, you need to be prepared for slow times. You need to be prepared for... Um, having all of your debts paid for in advance before you go out on your own. Right. So that if you do have a slow, say it's May and it's actually busy time, but you just started your company, well, it's going to be slow for you. You need to make sure you have that money set aside. Yeah. I mean, that's just what has to happen. Yeah. You know, like you said, didn't you tell me you started your company like about the same time? We, we, yeah, we opened our doors August 1st. Um, now, a company that it's in, that's in its infancy in its first few months of business is totally different than a company that has employees and has a, a real estate expense, you know, a lease or or yeah. a building payment of some kind, um, and has multiple vehicle payments. You know, we've got we've got five vehicle payments that we have to make every month, no matter how busy or slow we are. Yeah. We've got a lease that we've have we have to make. And you have um, to make sure that you have that money for when the slow time comes. And we also have incredibly healthy benefits. I'm talking incredibly healthy benefits, especially for a company our size. Our benefits are better than these companies out there that have hundreds of employees. And so um, those benefits cost the company money every month. No matter how much we make in revenue, we still have to pay those expenses as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is a matter of of looking on the business side of things. Um, it is a matter of looking ahead throughout the year and identifying, okay, these will be slow, so I will need to have some cash in the bank to cover things during these months. Um, and and this isn't not, like this isn't this shouldn't scare you. This is not anything new, right? Like That's the whole economics one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing, um, I mean, this goes all the way back to, like, look at retail stores and how Black Friday got its name, right? Before <laughs> online shopping was crazy popular, there were a lot of stores that were literally running in the negative all year long. And then the Friday after Thanksgiving was the first day of the year that they showed any profit. Yeah. So they had to look at their finances on an annual vision Knowing that okay, we're we're managing our losses for eleven months the best out of the year until yeah. now, and then we make hay one month mm-hmm. out of the year. Yeah, so it's just like a pumpkin patch. Yeah, they're not doing anything for ten months. Yeah, but mm-hmm. man, when those two months are here, they are making jack, yeah. and then they've got to set that mm-hmm. money aside. I mean, it's an extreme example, but sometimes <clears throat> when you're starting out on your own, you need to think of everything as an extreme example. Yeah. Because your um, your actions are extreme, you know, for that time period. You know, fifty dollars to you may be five hundred dollars to a big company. Right. You know what I mean? One tank of gas for you is, you know, a whole fleet worth of gas for somebody else. And so you have to have that mindset of I'm gonna be the most prepared I can be no matter what. Yeah. I have to look at it as if Tomorrow, the bottom could cut, fall out, and I have to be prepared to make my minimums. Right. When that work's not coming in. And and I can I can speak from experience that the most successful people I have seen make the switch from employee to self-employed, the ones that are the most successful were the ones that were the most financially um, accelerated, if you will, before they made the switch with their personal finances. They weren't. They weren't buying the latest and greatest 
cars and trucks and toys and all of that stuff and then went off into self-employment. They were the ones that had their personal finances dialed down to a T and there wasn't anything that was going to come as a major surprise to them, right? Um, you were kind of hitting it. All too often we tend to live above our means and then when the slow time hits or, or something slows down, now we're in panic mode. Mm-hmm. And it's very quick and easy for us to look outward as someone else is responsible for this instead of me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we all we all chose those notes. We all chose those expenses. And, and you can't tell me that like you look – like let's say it's a car payment and you're financing it for five years. You can't tell me that you didn't think you were going to have a tight month financially over the next 60 months. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. like if – if that car payment was tough to swing on good months, it's impossible to swing on bad months. So that's probably not something you should be doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's the minimums, you know, we, we talk about everyone's, Oh, well, or, or not the necessarily the minimums, but the maximums. Oh, I can afford this. I yeah. can afford this. Oh yes. I can afford this. Oh man, I got hurt and I didn't work this week. Oh, yeah. I can't afford that this month. Right. Well, you've already committed. You've already committed to, to pay that to those people Every month. Yeah. All right. You have to be, and I don't know if it's as bad as it was like when I was 20, 25. I mean, you would go in to get a car loan and they would literally, they'd be like, oh, we can stretch it to this or we can stretch it to this. You know, they didn't have your best interest in mind. Oh, gosh, no. And, that's and they what, still don't. No. Mm-hmm. And we, that's what we talk about personal responsibility. Yeah. Just because they say that doesn't mean that when you have a bad month, you can afford it. Right. They're saying that because they can get you into a car and get that thing down the road. They're yeah. they're not even financing it. Their, it's their a interest, bank. It's another bank down the road. Yeah, their interest is pushing <clears throat> units, so number of cars sold, and their interest is also pushing amount financed because the dealership and the salesman get kickbacks on the amount financed. Right. That's why some dealers you go in there <clears throat> and they'll have a price for a car of twenty grand. And then when you tell them you're going to pay cash for it, well, now the cash price is now 23. And it's because they were going to make $3,000 on you just from you financing it. Yeah. So I I have a buddy of mine that literally had that happen to him last week. He put $1,000 down on a car. He flew to go get it. And then they jacked the price up on him by $3,000. And he's sitting there with a cashier's check. Like, it's already made out. Yeah. And so... He I'd flew gave, home. I'd have gave flew him a finger and left. Yeah, he flew home. No yeah. no car. He's like, you're not going to do this to me. See ya. First you know? off, that's why I will never buy a new vehicle. Right. I've never bought a new vehicle. Well, this one wasn't new. But or something you, from a dealership that is brand new or yeah. close to new. I'd rather, I mean, my truck I did get from a dealership, but it was super used. Yeah. You know, I like to go to somebody and be like, hey, dude, I'll, yeah. I'll just write you a check for this. I mean, that's how I bought mine. And I flew all the way to freaking New Jersey. For mine, Ugh. eighty thousand mile, two thousand fifteen F one fifty. You can smell New Jersey <laughs> when you get to like Pennsylvania. Yeah. Wait, New Jersey is it below that? I can't remember. Yeah. Drove it away from Virginia. his house at one o'clock and drove all the way home. I drove through all of Pennsylvania. That was the worst part about that whole thing. Pennsylvania. I drove all the way through Pennsylvania in the dark. Oh. Like Pennsylvania is one of the prettiest states in the nation. Yeah. Pennsylvania Dutch country. And here I drove through most of it in the dark. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. A story that's like in my own life, whenever I used to work at McDonald's, I remember we would, I used to run McDonald's for a year and we'd have corporate come by and they have a grade like the once a year, the BSV, whatever they called it. And the guy, the guy is talking and he says, he's like, lunch happens at the same time every day. And you got to go to these restaurants and people act like they're surprised at lunch. The yeah. lunch rush comes. Oh, yeah. the lunch rush is here. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he just every day states it. It's like, it's the same time every day. And he said, I've seen maybe once one restaurant that's like, yeah. you know. Well, and if you're, if you're the type of employee that isn't jumping at the chance for extra work, self-employment is probably not for you. Right? Like, um, how do we balance slow times? We work more during the busy times. And yeah. that's a personal choice. That's not, and I don't want to say personal choice like political thing. Like that's a discipline thing, right? Yeah. You know it's going to be slow during certain times of the year. Yeah. So you owe it to yourself to say, okay, like for us it would be like number of service calls, right? On average, our guys are going to run 15 to 20 service calls in a week. Okay. Well, during the slow time, they may be running 10 service calls in a week. 
nearly half. Yeah. Right. So, and that may that may happen for a couple of months. So my logic immediately goes to okay, eight weeks of ten calls less. Ten to let let's say let's say it's six calls less per week on average. Yeah. For eight weeks. Now I got to bust out my calculator here. You know, when I think about that while you're doing that, um, so when I was hourly, like say say I was just getting paid, say I worked for you. The way I would look at that is I would be banking money all season. Yeah. And then right now when it came around and you were saying, okay, guys, we're slow. I'm going to try to divide the calls up. I'm going to try to get you six to eight. I would come to Mitch and I would be like, my mindset would be, Mitch, if you can give me all of my calls in like a three day period, can we do that? So that then I can pack those days and then those other two days I can go fishing. Right. Because I've saved my money all year because I know that in the fall when the fishing's good, if yep. if I can work with Mitch and say, hey, I can bust my butt for these three days. Yeah, shift to a or, or, 312 or a 410 or yeah, something like or that. Or if you had two other guy, another guy that wanted to do the same thing can take the other three days, mm-hmm. then you're always covered. Right. But then you can get that extra time off. But the only way that works is if you're saving your money all year round knowing that that's going to happen. Right. You know, right. I mean, that's how I always, even when I was on my own and on call all the time, that's how I always thought of it is like, okay, I know if I work during the summer and I'm just killing myself all this time, man, when Thanksgiving and Christmas rolls mm-hmm. around, I'm going to have time. You can have time with your family. You can, right. you know, you right. can do whatever. I mean, and that's kind of like, you know, when we were doing new construction, I always thought of it that way. You know, once it gets cold and that stuff starts slowing down, hey, now it's time to take a break. Yeah. You well, know, granted, I was poor then and stupid, and I didn't have the money. It kind of times out but, on the new construction side of things because a lot of new construction guys are hunters, right? And so if you're living well within your means, you don't mind the slow time because it gives you a little bit more time in the woods. Yeah. You're going fishing, you're going hunting. Mitch, right. give me my calls three days, man. I can have That means I get four days. Four-day weekend. I can hunt or fish, Yep. and then I can come in and bust my butt for those three days and get all— I mean, if you have more calls, that's one thing, but if it's slow— and you're trying to spread them out between guys anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah, if you're not if you're not thinking past next week, it's going to be really difficult, right? So, like to get back to what I was saying earlier, now that I Oh, did you get it figured out? Yeah, I did fast math on a calculator that my teacher never said I would have with me. Yeah, you remember she was that? Wrong. You'll never have a calculator with you all the time. So, like let's say it's you're going to have six less calls for a period of about 8 weeks, okay? That's 48 less service calls. So I have to find a way, if I want to maintain that standard of income, I have to find a way throughout the other 10 months of the year to run an extra 48 calls. Now, 48 calls divided by 10 months is 4.8, let's call it five service calls a month, right? So at five times in a month, if my boss calls me and says, Hey, I've got an extra call if anybody wants to run late. I'm I'm literally like the way my mind works is I know I need an extra 50 calls during the slow, like to cover during the slow time. So I'm literally looking throughout the year for those extra 50 calls. And if my boss called mm-hmm. in and said, "Hey, I've got an extra call if you want to work late." That comes off my tally. I'm one call closer to covering my shoulder season. Yeah. Right? And I I mean, I literally did this when I was a plumbing service tech working in the field, you know, before I got into management, before I started my own company, I was literally like preparing for the slow times during the busiest of times. Yeah. So you had the money and that, and it's the, if you didn't want to look at it as calls, you would look at it like, okay, I make a thousand dollars a month. Okay. My expenses are $800 a month. My minimum is $700 a month. That means anything you make over $800, you should be setting aside. Right. If you have a separate savings that's, you know, you're putting that $200 into, maybe make another separate savings that you're putting 50 into, and that is just slow time money. Right. Okay, when we do get slow, I will have this money set aside for if the calls don't come in. So we, we actually have that like in our compensation plan that we have with our revenue producers. 
um, we have like a bank built into their compensation plan to where when they have really, really good weeks. Like dollars bank or like uh, for, hours bank? For us, it's like a task hours bank. Okay. Um, but if they have really, really good weeks, they can take task hours and deposit them in the bank. And then they can sit there for as long as they want. There's really no rules with it. Like the bank is there for them to use, right? Yeah. So that task hours bank is is kind of like a business savings account so that, okay, during like I had a bang up week, everything worked perfectly. Yeah. And, and I was clicking on all cylinders and holy cow, my revenue was you know, 140% yeah. of what it usually yeah. is or my I income. Ev- I made every sale. Right. I made right. every stinking sale I had. So you can very quickly put that money into the bank, get your paycheck back to where it normally is. And now that money is in your bank here at our company. That money is in your bank and then you can use it during the slow time. And so that way your paychecks never even, yeah. like the, the whole idea. Off. Yeah. Now it does require personal discipline to do that. Personal and, responsibility. And a lot of times huh. people hmm. have that bang up week and they want to go spend it because they feel like they've earned it. Right. Yeah. And, and we've th- talked about that that's, a lot. <laughs> that's the, that's the challenge is you have to have the discipline to know like, and, and that's, that seems to be the key point where people forget that there is a slow time throughout the year is, is when that paycheck's amazing. Yeah. And so you've got to have the discipline to know things are slowing down. Uh, yeah. as that comes. So, and this is, this is, this is like naturally rolled into step one, um, of our six core adversities that you need to overcome to start your business. Um, step one is personal finance prep. Um, and, and, and so this is kind of naturally rolled into personal finance prep for your business. And then we, what we talk about in that step is making sure your finances are in order. And so if you listen to this show, and, and you decide self-employment isn't for you, this, this, this episode still gives you benefit because you're, you're learning how to be more successfully financially, learning to be how to, how to financially be financially successful, whether you're <laughs> self-employed or not. Yeah. Right. You know, there's boatloads of guys out there that have made, you know, a very good living. And have a, like, you don't have to be self-employed to have a respectable life by no means. No. And so, um, it's not for everyone. We talk about it all the time. I know guys that literally retired at 55 and 60 that worked construction their whole lives. Yeah. And you know what they did? They put their money into mutual funds or, uh, even if they're the company they worked for didn't have an IRA, they set up their own simple IRA. You know, and then when they retired, they retired with dignity and, you know, yeah had done the right thing and, you know, probably had a better quality of life than a lot of business owners that are struggling to run their business with stress and this and that. And they knew that that stress wasn't for them. Yeah. Their quality of life may have been better just because they decided to do it that way. We're not saying, you know, business is for everyone. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard. It is hard work and it takes dedication, but you do not have to own your own business to be successful. Yeah. I mean, you just have to, you know, do your due diligence and be responsible with your money and you can get there just the same. Yeah. I mean, if you gave me the option to remain an employee, but also have great financial sense about me or to lose my financial sense, but own a business. I would choose to remain an employee every yeah. every day of the week, right? Yeah. That's that's just a lot easier life. It's a lot stress less stress in your life. Yeah. So And like we talk about some people just aren't built to handle that kind of stress. Yep. You know, some people when they're under a lot of stress, they you know, they go crazy. They you know, they eat out every day. They drink too much. They stop taking showers. You know, they're just weirdos. Right. You know, some people can't handle stress. Like other people handle stress, you know, it just, it's just, it's not for everyone. Right. The, uh, um, the, the level of success you will have in life is in direct relation to the amount of decisions you can make in a day. And the more decisions you're able to make in a day without getting overwhelmed and overstressed, the more successful you will be. Now, some guys make those decisions in advance. Some guys create teams to where they can delegate those decisions to. 
and they're just doubling down and tripling down on that level of success, right? So um, if you're not very good at building teams and you're not very good at delegating, now you have to make all of those decisions and eventually they're going to like pile on top of you and bury you. Yeah. So, um, but you know, a decision you make today to hire somebody to do some tasks for you, well, now they're handling some of those decisions. So, right. um, but uh, ultimately, yeah, whether you're an employee for somebody or you're going to start your own company, you need to be looking at finances on a fiscal basis, on an annual fiscal basis, and and looking long term. So one of the things that I do, and I've done this for quite a few years as a manager, is um, I take our annual revenue for the year, and then I go back and I apply weight to each month at which we earned the revenue. So, um, you know, in January, we may have earned 6% of our annual revenue for the year in January. In February, we may have earned 9% of our annual revenue for the year in, in February. And so what that does is it allows you, like, so when you graph all that out and then you look at the graph, it tells you where your seasons are and, and where... Like it eliminates great months. Um, it, it eliminates guesswork too. Yeah. Oh, you know, some guys don't take numbers that serious, and they're like, "Well, I think it was slow last year." Well, I think you know we did this. Right. It makes it easy for you to go back and say, "Hey, guys, look. Yeah. This is what we did last year. Yeah. In these months, September is always slow. Okay. This right. is what we need to focus on. August is always slow, and so, um, but you can use, you know, if if you're if you're in a, like, let's say you've newly started your business or your business has been going for three or four years and you're a listener to this show, go back and look at your revenue for all of your previous months and apply that logic to it. And you'll find out that like, okay, we've got some patterns here this month. And I'm, I'm not going to say it's August and September. It's going to be different for every industry, but you're going to find that, okay, this month it's always slow. This month it's always slow. So I need to know that going in that I'm going to have lower revenue on these months and I need to be prepared for that. So, um, I, I thankfully had that exposure years before I started our company, just in the management that I was doing. And, and so like we just talked about earlier, I, I literally started our company during the slow time, but I wasn't worried at all because we didn't have a lot of expenses when we first started. Yeah. We talk about that, you know, when we say, don't just quit your job. If you've got to stick it out, suck that information up. Yeah. That was information that you were pulling yeah. straight from your employer yeah. for free. And if you're if you're a sales guide in an organization, it doesn't matter what job you're doing. If you're a sales guide in an organization, um, you can be pulling your own numbers. And you can be saying, okay, let's say I did a million dollars in sales this year. Well, I'm able to say, okay, I did you know, 800,000 in January. I did a hundred thousand in February. I did yeah. 600,000 and more like you're able to graph your own out. And, and I mean, it gives you a reference yeah. to, to work from. Right. So, um, those, those two things together, one is not letting the shoulder seasons scare you. And then practicing good personal financial discipline, uh, which is step one, episode two of this show. Um, both of those things are going to be what powers you through the the standard slow times that you're going to have, the seasonal slow times you're going to have in your company. And, and don't be afraid to talk to your employees about that exact, those exact situations. Right. Okay. You will help them if you can, if you can make them understand, hey, we're going to be slow here. You guys need to be prepared. Right. This is this is why we do these things. Right. You know what I mean? Don't don't feel like you're telling them what to do. Just be honest with them and say, "Hey, look. Right. We're going to be slow these times. You guys should be saving your money." Get like ready. You, like you do. You have a bank set aside. Say, "Hey, I have this bank set aside. I'm happy to hold that stuff for you." Right. And then if you need that regular income or would prefer that regular income, I'm happy to do that for you. Right. You know, it makes it a lot of, you know, you can have tax relationships with your employees and most of the time they're based off of money, whether it's actually your fault, their fault, whoever's fault. If you can, you know, nip those situations in the bud before they even get there. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. That's even better for your company. Right. So. Right. That's that's one of the ways that a good employer is like looking out for their employees. They're providing them a place to prepare 
for the slow times. Yeah. So um, let's let's roll on to our third topic of the day. Oh man, what do we got? Third topic. What are we talking about? Student loan forgiveness. <laughs> big big shocker, right? Like, no. Who was not going to be talking about this? I thought you were going to. You thought I was going to bring up Zuckerberg on Rogan. Yeah, about yeah. how the election was stolen. I thought that's what we were going to talk about. No, no. We're talking about student loan forgiveness. Student loan forgiveness. What do you want to talk about about student loan forgiveness? Well. You want to talk about how stupid it is? How dumb it is? I, I mean. The fact that all of us that have worked our whole lives now have to pay. You know what pisses me off the most about it is that people just think it's free money. Right. It's not free money. It's tax money. Yeah. We have all paid for that. So instead of that money going to, uh, I'm just going to throw wild things out there, cancer research, road improvements, right? paying more policemen, paying more, um, giving the military men and women a raise, building that wall at the yeah. southern border. Any- Nature, the environment, climate change, like whatever your hot button issue is. Yeah, we're spending money on stupid kids that wanted to get a liberal arts degree and now can't find a job to pay for their student loans because a liberal arts fucking degree, there's no jobs for that. Right. You can't get a job with that degree. Right. Now the rest of us have to foot the bill. The, it's freaking unbelievable. So, I mean, obviously it's wrong. And, and I've engaged in a couple of conversations um, with a couple of people on Facebook about it. Um, and and I've done this intentionally. um as much as I wanted to like, like put my hands around their neck and like the whole Homer Simpson to Bart Simpson thing and be like, Oh my gosh, choke until his eyes right. freaking pop out of his head. Um, I, I, I was like pulling information from these people to really see where they're coming from. The people that are in support of this, I'll, they are completely naive as to the root cause of the problem. And, they are very easily persuaded as long as it's benefiting them, right? So one of the people I was talking to was talking about how the students are victims of the colleges. And so before we correct an issue, we have to make it right with the victims. And so they're in support of it because this is the government making it right with the victims, now, I will say that some of those students were victims. They were predatory loans yeah. on those students. Yeah. Okay? And they, I and I agree with that, and there are lawsuits yeah. for a lot of those colleges going on. Right. It is still not our responsibility as taxpayers right. to make that wrong or right. Yeah. There's okay? no it's place in society. Right. There's no place in society where you punish society as a whole because a portion of them were foolish. Right. Like that just that never, ever works in society. And so uh, it doesn't matter predatory or not. Right. Like you can Monday morning quarterback any predatory nature thing. Um, take yeah. take like payday loan companies. Like internet right? scams or that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's is... predatory internet scams, there's predatory payday loan companies and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, if you want to look at it with blinders on, you can see how those people got taken advantage of, right? Well, ultimately, they still made the decision to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, part of it is shame on them. Part of it is shame on their upbringers for not doing a better job of educating them to those things, right? Yeah. Um, um, Part of it is shame on local government. Like, this is one thing I do like about the city that we live in, is they actually have a max cap for payday loan places within the city limits. Yeah. And we're at that max cap now. It's not outrageously high. It's not like we've got payday loan places on every corner. But you cannot put another payday loan place in our city. There is a max... We're maxed out, right? So some of it is local governments that allow places like that to keep popping up and then preying on their citizens. And it's just lowering the the class of the citizens, right? But at the same token, ultimately, it does come down to the personal decision of the person to choose to enter into that loan. It's not much different than what we were talking about on personal finance prep. It doesn't make sense to go out and buy the latest and greatest car simply because you can afford it on good months. Yeah. Like you have to have good sound financial logic 
to sell yourself on the idea that this is a good investment and it will pay off. Um, anybody, I get that maybe there was a period of time where the allure of you got to go to college to get a good job, right? Like that's what it was 20 years ago. Um, but in, in 20 years ago, we didn't quite understand how lopsided the expenses were. College was also substantially cheaper 20 years ago. Yeah, you could go to community college for two years for relatively cheap. Yeah, for 10000 bucks. Yeah, I went I mean, for like a semester. Five, it was cheap. Yeah, it, it's like five grand still, a semester. I still didn't have the money. To do or five grand a year. It was like 2500 a semester to go to community yeah, college, right? it was pretty cheap. So, um, you know, ultimately, there's still students out there. Unlimited access to information these days. Students and parents both. And and there are and they're students, still doing it. And they're still doing it. You know what really pisses me off too is they come out and they say this, and then literally the next day students are being approved for more loans. Yeah, from the same people. So I mean, what are you going to do? You telling me every four or five years you're just going to come out and give everyone ten thousand dollars that applied for student loans? Here is another I mean, major it, thing that's kind of buried into this. It's the great unbalance. It's right. It's just insanity. So there is another thing that is going on with this that is insane. Um, It's called Income Driven Repayment System, IDR, okay? So this is is a thing that now sets students' monthly loan payments based off of their post-graduation income. Okay. Never heard of this. I've never. I'm. I'm listening. This. Intently. This is tied to this. Okay. Right? Like right now, or they've always been doing this. Uh, they were doing it previously. This like totally revamped this and and heightened it up. So it changed it a little bit. Can you look? Can you go on there and look what a liberal arts degree idiot makes? Uh, no. What about underwater well, basket weaving? Right. Like so. What's, what's the monthly payout? The the current existing plans, depending on your income level, they require the borrower to pay ten or twenty percent of their annual income for two decades, and then twenty percent for two year or for twenty years. For two decades. That's twenty years. Twenty. Years. I know what a decade is. Right. Twenty percent so, for for twenty. That's. That's not 20% of the loan. That's 20% of your annual income. I know. Right. They won't even approve you for a home loan for that. Right. Right. Based off one individual. So, uh, and then, well, and then after two decades, the the remainder of the loan is forgiven. What? Yeah. Like this is a, this is a legit thing. Google it. Income driven. So if you made a hundred thousand dollars, that's $20,000 a year. What's 20,000 times 20, Mitch? It's a shitload. It's $400,000. That's more than college costs. Right. That's right. unfucking So this is the sham, right? So um, that's the current plan. They pay 10 to 20% of their income annually to, for two decades, after to, which... Stop. 10 to 20. Who decides if it's 10 or 20? I think it depends on what your income is. Okay. I'm not positive. Um, after which the remainder of the loan is forgiven. Between 2010 and 2020... The percentage of federal student borrowers enrolled in the IDR program surged from 10% to 32%. Okay? I'm listening. So under this new plan... blood is on fire. (laughs) Under this new plan, IDR borrowers will now pay just 5% of their income for undergraduate loans and 10% of their postgraduate loans for a period of 10 or 20 years, depending on how much is owed... The plan will also increase the amount of income that isn't subject to IDR from 150% above the poverty line to 225% above the poverty line and eliminate any annual accrual of interest under the plans. So, basically what they're saying... I understand what they're saying. (laughs) ...is now you can go to college... You get to deduct 225% of the poverty line from your income, and you only have to pay 5% of your income of the of the difference from 225% yeah. of the poverty line. It's like a tax write-off for 225 above the poverty line based off of your income, and then whatever's left, you're paying 5%. Of 5% that. of that. So if it's a hundred, so if it's a hundred thousand dollars, and the poverty lines. 
$25,000. You're paying 5% of $75,000. And if you're an undergrad, you're only doing that for 10 years and then it's gone. And if you're, if you're a graduate, you're doing it for 20 years and then it's gone, right? So here, this actually makes colleges, this makes colleges charge more. This, like, yeah. what, what this does is this literally incentivizes a student to put as much on a student loan as possible. Because now they're only, like, it doesn't yeah. matter what their loan is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's these terms and then it's forgiven. So now the colleges can charge astronomical rates and it all gets forgiven. I don't remember who I was listening to. First and you're off, paying for it. First off, and all, all of that stuff it just makes me want to buy a weapon and, and shoot people. Before we get put on blast, I will put the link to that article in the description of this podcast. It is, uh, uh, if you were to Google it, it's from it's an article from Fortune. Uh, and the title is, There's a Giant Loophole in Biden's student debt, relief, student debt Relief Package That Could Make College Even More Expensive. Here's How It Works. And it's written by a guy named Will Daniel on August 30th, 2022. So... Um, I will, while I'm thinking about it right now, I'm actually going to copy this and send it to Austin. It's just, thanks Mitch. It's just insane. It's literally insane. Right. So we, we shammed everybody for a long time by saying you got to go to college to get a good job. And now we're like, psych, gotcha like no tag backs, uh, on top of going to college to get a good job, you didn't actually get a good job. And all those people who chose not to, who saw through the bullshit, well, guess what? They still get to pay for it anyway. Yeah. Like it, it yeah, is. And then they wonder why people are so pissed yeah. that they're, they literally get death threats. Yeah. I mean, they wonder why I don't understand why these people are so mad. Well, I don't know. Maybe because I've been digging ditches for 20 fucking years and now I've got to pay for Susie J. Joe, dummy who got a basket weaving degree yeah because she can't get a job with her degree now now i have to my tax dollars have to go to that i i've been sent this meme i mean people just i just i can't even collect my thoughts i'm so mad right now yeah it it literally it makes me question every that's the problem it makes you question everything you've ever been taught about anything right so about fairness about uh, working hard and being dedicated about taking care of yourself, about taking care of those around you. Right. It just, it literally throws all that crap out the window. Yeah. I've, I've got kind of two viewpoints on the thing and we'll get into that in a second, but, uh, I've been sent this meme by boatloads of people. Um, it says hardworking plumber looking forward to paying for his neighbor's gender studies degree after he unclogs your drain line. Yeah. Like yeah. that. I mean, and, and what's funny is this article was written by the Babylon Bee yeah. In August of, uh, where's it at? Where's it at? Two years ago. So August of 2020. Yeah, that's when they were. So when. Election time. Yeah, they were talking about, oh, we're going to give forgive student loan debt. Right. We're going to so, do this. And we're going to do that. Well, guess what they did it. And they screwed was, everybody else. What was completely satire two years ago is now 100% reality. Yeah. I mean, 100%. We are literally on, is it ACDC that sings the song Highway to Hell? Right. We are literally on a highway to hell. Yeah. Downhill. Yep. And it's on fire. I mean, there is nothing stopping. Yep. I mean, we are just. So, um, I mentioned a minute ago, there's kind of two ways to look at this. Uh, I don't know which way I'm looking at it yet. Other than, I mean, I'm kind of looking at both. One is, yeah, that sucks. It's disgusting. Can we change it? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. I don't have the knowledge or capacity to know how to Someone's change that. Someone's going to sue him, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court eventually. Right. Is what's going to happen. But someone has to sue on some realistic basis. And y- you know how they're doing that. Did you see how they're doing it? So normally it would take an act of Congress to spend taxpayer dollars. Well, when 9-11 happened, there was um, – an act enabled that allowed the president to um, forgive student loan payments and debt in time in a time of national emergency. And so now they're saying the COVID pandemic, oh, yeah. because of the COVID pandemic, it grants him these powers 
to yeah. do that. Right. I mean, dude, come on. Right. Well, just like just like they did with the vaccine mandates, where they pushed it out for a long time, it's going to be required. It's going to be required. So just go ahead and do it. It's going to yeah. be required. Yeah. And then it's a dog and, and pony show. And then at the end, be like, oh, well, and then know, at the maybe end, I couldn't do that. Oh, but it's too late. We now. couldn't do it. Like they even they even they're on camera saying we can't do that. And then three weeks later, they're saying it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But the whole like that was all like you said, dog and pony show. And the whole reason for that was. How many people did they convince to go ahead and get vaccinated in the meantime, knowing that it wouldn't actually ever come to fruition? Yeah, lots of people did it. I mean, literally hundreds of millions of people did it just because so they, they didn't have wouldn't they didn't lose their job, have, and they didn't want to have to deal with it later. Yeah, you know, lots of people are like that. They're passive aggressive, and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to do it, so it's not a hassle later. Right, right. So um, it's possible. That this is some other, I, I don't know what the end play is. Like that one was to get people vaccinated. I don't really know what the end play is with this one. But it's possible that this is some other dog and pony show that won't ever act like, they could, could be, be behind closed doors saying, yeah, this is going to go to the Supreme Court and it's going to get tossed, but we're going to try it. Like, yeah. who knows? So one way to look at it is you can get crazy frustrated. You can share a bunch of memes with your friends. You can waste a lot of energy bitching about it. Um, or you and, can and, buy a gun and get some ammo, and and not, you know, not really move the needle in any direction, right? Or you can you can do what every financially successful person does, and they look at tax law, they look at at how the tax code works. They know they can't change the tax code, but it's our like we all play from the same system. And it's our job to maximize that system towards our benefit, right? Yeah. So if I'm looking at this, I'm going, hmm, maybe I should go get some college courses. They're not going to help you, though. Some courses might. I, I don't think general degrees. You, no, I mean for you personally. Yeah. No, no I, oh, I, could, I could probably go find 10 college courses that I would get great benefit from. Now, you, Do you think it's going to actually, would it actually make a financial impact on your life? Yeah. Oh, totally. So like, um, like if my kids go to college, I'll probably encourage them to go to some sort of like business management type degree or some kind of accounting background. Um, now, Having a degree in accounting, I don't really like there's so much extra bullshit that's lumped into the degree that that's what makes college crazy unaffordable. Right. And that's what's kind of neat about the trades program is you're being taught the skills that you need and nothing extra, no extra fluff, no extra yeah. bullshit. And they're not teaching you you're a racist for no reason. Right. Right. You and don't have indoctrinating to, you with their crap. Right. Right. And this is so this is the problem that I have with like teachers. Um, and, and I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers here. Uh, teachers are way, way, way overeducated for what they do. And I am not dogging on teachers in the slightest, but you can't tell me that you need four plus years of college to, to be a graders. massive influence on a fourth grader's life. Yeah. Right? It's insanity. Right. Now, if you want to be the principal of the school, or, or a professor at a university. Yeah, that's different. Things like that are different, right? Now, I, again, I cannot understate this enough that 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 I am not bashing teachers at all. I, I'm thinking like the the way around this. Like if you you, you could, could lower a, a teacher's education costs by seventy five percent if you gave them the courses they need to teach the grade they're going to teach. Yeah, and then if they want to change grades and they have to go take an extra course or two to to go from fourth yeah. to sixth grade or whatever, well, guess what? Now you can go take those courses. That's how the trades world works. Yeah, I need the courses I need to become a journeyman plumber, and then if I want to become a master plumber, I go take extra courses. If I want a backflow certification, I choose to go take extra courses. For me to go be a plumber day one. I don't have to have six years of courses. No. I literally stack the courses as I choose my career path. If they did that with teachers, you wouldn't have, it would totally eliminate the argument of teachers spent all this money on education and they're one of the lowest paying jobs out there. Well, yeah. the, the pay reflects the, the roles, right? right. And, and, and how many more teachers would there be? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so say at 55, I decide, man, I can retire. I'm done. 
I've got the money. But like Mitch knows me, that's not happening. Right. You know, I'm going to have to do something. Right. Say I wanted to go teach two classes at a community college. I'd love to teach high school classes. That, like during that super impressionable year. Yeah, that's you know? what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you're telling me I can't because I got to have a four year bachelor's degree. Right. And seventy five, like just like you said, seventy five percent of the stuff I learn in getting that bachelor's degree has no effect. Yeah. On the things that I need to know to teach these kids yeah. the skills they need to move forward. Right. And and just like in the trades world, you can test out of courses. Like you don't have to attend the course. To, to pass the course. No. You can go straight to the test. Yeah, give me the test, bro. And if I can pass the test, I'm qualified. Here's my 150. Give me my test. Let's right? see what we got. So you could take a guy, just like what you were saying. Yeah. He's at the end of his career, but he wants to still have an impact on people. He wants to go teach 8th grade, ninth grade, yeah. 11th grade, whatever. Yeah. If he can test his way into that and no courses needed, and then you you have a couple of shaping courses to like, here's how you teach the curriculum or you know whatever the case well, may here's be. How, here's how you handle young people when they're... You know, I could see you having to have a semester of, hey, look, this is how you handle kids. Yeah. It between this age and this age because they're back crap crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the you know, so I mean, I could use one of those with Layla right now. My my kids were my kids were in scouts, um, and I was a like scouting leader for a while. And one of the really neat things about that program that program has a lot of downsides. It's got a lot of upsides. Um, one of the really neat things with that program is, man, they have the psychology of a developing boy down to a freaking science. Yeah. Like they can literally take a boy at seven years old and they will give you a description of a seven year old boy. Like, here's how he acts. Here's how he behaves. Here's how he eats. Here's how he responds to like, like this uh, is what he, this is what he says when and, he's bullied. This is what they, and like, I'm reading those as my kids are that age. And I'm like, holy cow. It's like they wrote this about my kid. Right. Yeah. So yeah, to, to your logic, you could, I mean, yes, there are courses that you wouldn't get out of that you would have to take that are going to apply it straight to that. But yeah, but still it's not a four, it's not a four year right. education. Right. You, you don't have to go take accounting classes to go be a kindergarten teacher. I don't have to go sit I don't have to go stay in a dorm for my first full year right. as a freshman so that I can gain the college experience right. to teach small children. Yeah. You, you, know? you don't have to take a foreign language to teach kindergarten either. Unless you're in an area that needs that foreign language, right? If you're in Phoenix or Texas or something like that, then yeah, you might like yeah, you might need regionally. It. You might have to go take a Spanish class. But if you're in Kansas City, if you're in Nebraska, yeah, like there's no reason you should have to waste education dollars and waste time learning stuff like that that you will probably never use. And that's what I meant by you know the system's broken, right? So what? But we're gonna we're gonna pay all this money. But then in two days, we're going to write loans for all these – for another 10,000 people. Yeah. You have to fix it before you can put the – you can't put a Band-Aid on and then cut yourself. Right. It doesn't work. Right. The the other thing – and you'll never see me call for more regulation from the government. You'll never see me call for bigger government. Um, the, the other thing is identifying that in order to be successful in life, you absolutely do not – have to have college. Um, there are certain courses that you may have, like there are certain professions you may choose where college is indeed required. Yeah. If you're going to be a doctor, you got to go to college. If doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, lawyer, you have to go to college. If you're going to be an accountant, architect, or, engineer. Yeah. There are, there are certain things that require it. Right. But we have in our society now, it's just, nope, you have to go no matter what. Right. Now I will say this. You have to go to college to be a doctor. You do not have to go to college to own a practice. No, but you have to. But you can only hire accredited doctors Correct. to work at that practice. Correct. So if your I goal think is a to law one day, firm might be the same way. You're, I'm talking out of yeah, my yeah, ass yeah. a little no, bit, no. but I think it's. Yeah. I think it's the same way. So um, you you have to go to college to be an engineer. You don't have to go to college to own an engineering firm. Right. right. So if your goal one day is to own an engineering firm, then I'd spend some serious time looking at ways that I can own a firm without having to go to college. Uh, it's literally rallying a team of engineers together, yeah. you organizing everything, letting them do the engineering, and you are doing the organizing. Yeah. You're, I mean, literally, that's all business ownership is, is you're a people organizer. Yeah. You're getting the most out of people. Well, you have to be able to, when there is a real hard problem that needs to be solved, like in plumbing. Okay, if you have an issue that is 
insanely difficult to diagnose and you can't figure out what's going on. HVAC is probably a better yeah, example. It, so it helps to have that. So, for so sure. yeah. So, uh, you know, say I have two guys that are working for me and they go out and try to diagnose, say a TXV is acting yep. up, which can be in your first few years. Yeah, it's tough. You don't know what's going on. The main man needs to step in there and go, "Hey, okay, guys, I'm coming over. We're gonna we'll work it out together and figure it out." So the the counter I mean, argument, my, and it's not an argument. I would just say the the counter argument of that is that doesn't have to be the business owner. Like you can have your rock star service tech with all the knowledge, and he's like your lead trainer, or he's like your yeah. department manager, or whatever. Yeah, he could be your service manager, right? Like or you I, could have a head engineer that's. I just guarantee you. In, in I guarantee you, Elon Musk has no clue how to solve the physics problems that it takes to put rockets into orbit and then land them back on pads in the ocean. Oh, no, he has no fucking clue. Right? I mean, he's a smart guy, but no, you're probably right. Right. Like, he's found a way to hire those people well, and own the company. He's Yeah. I mean, he's a special you write, case. You write a check. Right. <laughs> but, like, that's one of the things I look for, like, look forward to in our business. I can't wait to get to the point where I'm no longer the smartest guy in my company. Like you could hire me. The smartest and that guy would be over right now. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Like, and, and I'm not going to say I'm the smartest guy in our company now. Um, I, what I'm saying Plumbing is, wise, maybe. But what I'm saying is, like, I can't wait to get to the point where I'm not the guy. You're not the service manager that goes through all. The, yeah. You're the service manager right now. You you yeah. can't wait to hire a service manager. Yeah. Like you got th- a long way to go. That's a that's a that's a platform. That's a level. That's a that's an achievement that I'm striving for, right? You know, that's a whole other show too, uh, especially for guys in your situation. Um, a lot of guys can't do that because they can't give that control over. Yeah. Because they're control freaks. Yep. And they just can't. They can't trust. They don't. I mean, it just. It's hard for them to deal with. We could do a whole 45-minute show on that. Maybe that's next week. Ugh, sounds so, lame. <laughs> um, we can go ahead and start wrapping it up for this show. I have um, one more thing to say about the right. student loans. All right. I usually do not um, get on the side of any uh, cultural group. Mm-hmm. But have you seen how mad the NAACP is? No, I haven't. And rightfully so. So, you know, they've they've paid off all these loan this loan debt i can't remember what the percentage was of the study but i mean it was a huge number like 75 percent of that forgiveness is going to go to white educated students who come from families with money okay i shouldn't say with money but because those are the the degrees that they were looking at getting were not degrees where they could get a job and pay for that back Okay. So the black families that got jobs and paid those loans back or didn't go at all is extremely diverse. Wow. I mean, we're talking a huge number. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people are really pissed because basically what they're they're saying is he's just gone out there and bought those white kids votes. Yeah. Is oh, what yeah. he's done. He's just that's... gone out there and said, Okay, I told you I was gonna do it. Here's your money. I'm buying that vote. Right. Vote for me. One of the one of the conversations I got in with somebody was taught like they were trying to make it political when I was trying to I was prying on them to say like what's the root cause of this and the root cause is uh, um, colleges charging way too much for education right um, and they they kept saying that the root cause is Republicans. And the Republicans, like... I mean, how do you even get there? Boy, I don't... Like, like, how do you still blame Trump? It's been two years. Right. I mean, they just still keep doing it. The yeah. dude's gone. Been a problem for since, you know, long before Trump yeah. was here. Since 2000 is when it really started to take off. Right. And, I mean... And and so the, the root cause of the problem has nothing to do with politics, other than politics not holding colleges accountable. However, the solution is purely vote-driven. They are buying votes left and right. Yeah. So this is no different than your Obama phones and, and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's no different than saying I'm not responsible for gas prices when they're increasing. And then the moment they drop saying you're welcome, like this was all me. I did this. Yeah. Right after saying presidents can't control gas prices. Yeah. It's what, I'm sorry. What'd you say three weeks ago? It's no different than changing the definition of a recession just so you can say we're not in a recession. Yeah. 
right? Like, like they're 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 playing with fire, and it's going to catch up with them very quickly. You know, I think it was the last show we did. We were talking about like what it would take for a reset, or what it would take before mm-hmm. people really got mad, and there was, I mean, some serious violence. And I, I never, you said that, hey, I think it's going to get bloody and could be nasty. And I just, I mean, I, I prep, but I don't prep like you know the crazy people. And I never, I never thought I would say, you know, you might be right. But well, after this week, you might be right. Right. So like people are what's, literally pissed. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded a show, and what's happened in that couple of weeks? Eighty-seven. Yeah, it's been two weeks. Yeah, eighty-seven thousand IRS agents are now being hired, and and if you look at the job description, yeah, they need to be yeah. capable with firearms. Yeah. Right. Eighty-seven thousand. Yeah. They better bring more than a few to my house if they show up. Right. So. On top of that, now you're making it the entire population of the U.S.'s problem because some people went out and got degrees that had no value. Yeah. So um, they're literally, and he's literally stealing from hardworking Americans. That's literally what's happening. Yeah. He's just taking their money and giving it to other people. Yeah. It's it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate fuck it's, you. Is it's what the it ultimate is. form of taxation is theft, right? Yeah. So like. Uh, taxation alone isn't theft. Mismanagement of those funds is pure theft. Yeah. So, um, we could talk about this. Ooh, yeah. For fucking two days. So you can definitely see where it could go to a point where it would get violent. Well, that's I mean, what, that's what I was saying is when we talked about that, I thought Mitch is full of shit. And then the more I thought about it and the more I read just, you know, what random people post and what, yeah, what real, well, what real what real people, real leaders in this country are writing about, mm-hmm. like, you know, their op-eds and stuff. And I, you know, I'll read some of those. And then over the last two weeks, I think you might be right. Go, go look I mean, at, it's weird. Man. Go look at any massive government change in history. Yeah. It did not come peacefully. No, there, there's, I, I can't think of a single significant government overthrow that came peacefully. Yeah. They all come with violence. We might be on the highway to hell. Possibly. Did you see Iran is um, shipping drones to Russia so they can fight Ukraine? No. That's a whole nother battle. It's a whole nother battle. Oh, my God. So, well. um, It's crazy, man. We'll wrap this one up. Guys, if you like the format or whatever, drop us. You know, we've got the at podcast, The Void, on Facebook. Um, if If you're listening to this show and you're not on that Facebook page, go find it. Um, just go to Facebook and search at podcast, the void, and, uh, we should pop up there. Um, so, you know, find us on Facebook, drop us a a comment or a message on Facebook and and let us know what you're thinking about this new show format. We, we like it. We think it's going to bring you guys more value, more solid content, um, and, and waste a little bit less of your time. Not that we like referring to our show as waste of your time, but, uh, um, just trying to make a more efficient use of your time. So, um, until next time, guys, we will see you later. See you guys.